You call yourself a maker? You smell like failing corn chips. Drop and give me 45 minutes. This is not your grandparents' tinker toys. This is a creator's collective, private. Listen up and don't give me that face. Herberholtz, Wright, and Walker are about to demonstrate the proper way to create. And if you have questions, you had better be in the live chat. Otherwise, I'm going to plant my boots so far up your hiney that your mother is going to be crying. Now, listen up, you jelly-faced cow pies. Well, welcome back in for another week at the uh, Creators Collective. I hope you guys have been liking these intros. We've been having kind of fun um, putting together. We have a, a few others planned that uh, should be interesting. AKA, AKA the Crafted Podcast. I got a few uh, letters from people that are like, I skipped that one. I skipped the one episode where you said you were rebranding. And I'm like, what is the Creators Collective? So yes. in, case, in case somebody else has skipped over the past few. Same podcast, uh, uh, new, new name. A new, new host. New host. <laughs> All right. Carry on, James. <laughs> you there? Did we lose him? Uh-oh. That was strange. His, oh, face, no. is, his face is still in, in our chat, but he is, uh, he's frozen with, with a... With a really creepy look on his face. Yeah, he <laughs> looks like uh, Mr. Burns in his picture. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys in the live chat can see it, but like it froze, and he looks just like Mr. Burns in the live chat. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, well, hopefully he'll uh, join back up here in a second. <laughs> yeah. what's, what's new with you, William? Oh, man. Uh, we had a, a meetup on Saturday. That went really, really awesome. Um, that was with me and Paul Jackman. Had about fifteen or twenty guys show up um, at one of my very favorite Live Edge slab dealers. Uh, came away with uh, a few little pieces that I'll make into Christmas gifts. What else? Um, finishing up my medicine where, cabinet. Probably where was today. the where was the makeup at or the makeup the the meetup <laughs> the meetup. Uh, the meetup was at a place called Hackett Enterprises, and it's kind of like the best kept secret in Central Virginia. Um, they don't have a website or anything. You kind of like have to know the people. Um, but it's the guy's a, an arborist and he goes and takes down trees for people. But if, uh, instead of just taking the logs to the dump, he brings them back to his shop where he has a, a sawmill. Um, and he just mills everything up and sells everything for like ridiculously cheap prices. And where, where's, where's this guy at again? Uh, in central Virginia in Palmyra, which is, uh, about 30 minutes outside of Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Uh, like 15 or 20 people. That's, yeah, that's really good. I remember uh, uh, Johnny and I, like when we were in Asheville, I think it was like around April-ish, we had a, a meetup at uh, Asheville uh, Hardware and uh, we didn't have quite that turnout, but it was a good <laughs> time. It was very intimate. We had, you know, two or three people there and yeah, it was, okay. it was, it was different, but it was, it was a lot of fun. So uh, we probably drank more than we should have. That's always fun. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, no, and somebody actually brought me a gift too, which was really cool. They brought me an antique draw knife for me to restore. Oh, cool! Uh, yeah, so that was that was fun. And actually, one of the winners of my twenty thousand subscriber sweepstakes that I did with Grizzly um, actually showed up because he was only an hour away in Richmond, Virginia, and so it was kind of like, oh, oh hey, cool. like, <laughs> yeah. So, so, you have to use the word sweepstakes. What's what's up with that? Uh, Johnny actually told me about that. If you say giveaway, you can get in trouble with like the legalities of things. So you call it a sweepstakes instead. That's really weird. So like I don't a, know. Talk ro- to- so like a roving band of uh, YouTube attorneys just looking to punish people who use the improper vernacular. Uh, I guess I don't know. Johnny uh, Johnny Brooks said that in his old job he used to do all the legalities of the like the branding and uh, and contests and things like that. So. Uh, he actually reached out and told me like 
hey, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, do this, keep it under this value. Hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, just, I just trust I, Every time I hear sweepstakes, do you guys remember the old TV show? Uh, oh, James made it back. All Is all, all well? You look like you're... No, we're having problems on all fronts recording. I just lost power and that shut down Zencaster and... That's um, right. Run and gun podcast. It, it's a handmade podcast. It's not it's not about perfection. It's about um quality <laughs> content. I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. Cool. What are you working on, Zach? Um, so I've <laughs> I, I can't remember what I talked about last week. Um <laughs> but I I made a um a handbag, like a tote bag, just for fun. With uh, I got a new sewing machine, like an industrial, a giant beastly industrial walking foot sewing machine. Uh that's super cool. Like it's, it'll, I think it'll sew through like 15, 20 ounces of leather. It's insane. So I've been messing around with that. I made a tote bag a few, a week or so ago, auctioned that off on my Instagram and um, I got orders for five more. So <laughs> I've just been, uh, been really immersing myself in, in leather stuff and I've sold a whole bunch of wallets and stuff on my website. So just been trying to keep up with orders and, and key fobs and all of that stuff. So it's, it's been keeping me pretty busy the past few weeks. Uh, yeah. So yeah. make hay while the sun's shining. What's that? I said, make hay while the sun's shining. Yeah. I wish the sun would stop. It's still like 80 degrees here. It's ridiculous. I hate it. It finally got cold in Virginia. It's, it was like in the twenties this morning and then it was like 32. It's 32 like right now. So that sounds nice. I yeah, I get to wear my that. big down jacket. It's awesome. Nice. Well, I've been uh, I've been well trying to catch up since I wasn't doing a video every single day this last week, which was kind of relaxing and nice. <laughs> but at the same time, that also meant I get to uh, work on things around the house. So um, we decided to finish off the kitchen. So I had to do the trim work, and I have like four pieces more to make for the trim. Uh, that's that's a lot of fun. I'm actually making our own trim, uh, very craftsman style, all hickory. Uh, throughout the house and uh, the last thing i have to do is the backsplash in the kitchen and it'll be done so yeah cool. <laughs> nice what are you making the backsplash out of um it'll be a well it's it's tile but it's um it looks like steel so okay. it's a it's kind of an interesting metallic looking tile um very modern looking which is uh we're kind of going for uh, arts and crafts in a modern setting so very simple simplistic Arts and crafts, square edges, square corners, uh, but then to have the you know the mounter, the modern um, can lights countersunk into the ceiling, and then uh, backsplash and uh, some extra uh, modern touches here and there, metal looking. Cool. So it's yeah, I'm really looking forward to the final picture on it. It's uh, it's kind of getting close. Nice. I made my backsplash out of curly walnut. Yeah, I've had a lot of people asking me why didn't you make the the countertop out of wood? As much as I like the look of it, it's just not. It's not what we want, and it requires a lot more maintenance. Um, whereas the you know the solid surface, the the Corian type countertop is just you know it, it's it's there. It, it doesn't require any maintenance. There's nothing on it that uh, yeah you, know, you get scratched up. You can just sand it down and keep going. That's why I went with tile because uh, it's pretty bulletproof. See, I'm not a big fan of tile due to the the grout, but uh, uh, yeah, them. <clears throat> yeah, no, the grout. I did the grout myself, and I didn't do a very good job because I'm not a tile guy, mm. and. Uh, so I call that my five-year plan. I'll probably tear that up in five years and put something cooler down. Sounds about right. Yeah, so a lot of people ask, you know, why did why did you do it that way? So, you know, if I don't like it, then I can redo it. I mean, what's the point? I mean, it's not like I have to pay someone to come in and do it. I can, I can do it myself. Yeah. 
But other than that, I've been uh, a little bit more turning. I did the, uh, um, the the video coming out today is turning a letter opener, and that was a lot of fun. I did uh, curly white oak. Uh, nice. I love curly white oak and, and anything turned. Um, and then I did um, the other one out of ebony. I had this small scrap of ebony for uh, a pin blank, but it wasn't long enough for a full pin blank, but it was perfect for the uh, the letter opener kit. And hmm. That was a, a pure challenge because the uh, the whole blank was actually under a rather a large amount of tension and uh, it was just splitting apart and cracking out on me the whole way, turning it down. Mm-hmm. So it's it's like half made of CA, um, <laughs> but it, it turned out pretty well. I was happy with it in the end. That's like when I turn uh, bowls, I, I turn all my bowls green and I usually try to find like a crotch or something, something that's, you know, a lot of compression figure, a lot of tension. Uh, and it's like a race to, f- to get it turned thin enough to where it won't crack. Uh, like if I start turning and I get about like halfway done with the bowl and then I go have lunch or something and come back, it'll lost so much moisture that it'll actually start coming apart on the, on the chuck, it'll start like cracking apart. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm a fan of green crotch. <laughs> uh, How much does that stuff maybe? move? Cause I, I still haven't like it's same story as last week. I have like this sweet lathe set up in my shop and I'm still waiting for tools to turn stuff. So um, like how much like turning a, a, like a green bowl versus, you know, something that's dried out, like how much movement and shifting and do you have to really you probably have to leave it thicker so that it doesn't crack and split and that sort of thing. I'm imagining. So the general rule of thumb is you turn it. If you, if you're going to turn green, you can either turn green to a bowl blank, uh, which is about 10% of the final thickness. So if it's 10 inches, you leave, you turn it down to one inch. If it's like a 10 inch bowl, you turn it down to one inch. Um, then you set it on a shelf for six to eight weeks. Then you come back and you put it on the chuck again and you turn it to its final thickness of, a quarter or three eighths of an inch. Um, I see. Or you turn it. Yeah. Or you turn it like what I do. Cause I like the character of green turned bowls. Um, I just turn it straight from, you know, log all the way down to the final thickness and then just let it move. And it'll actually turn into like an oval shape. <clears throat> if you let it sit long enough, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, if I'm putting a salad in, a, in it or something, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious. So are you guys making a, uh... I'm sure every, everybody is probably thinking the same thing, but are you guys making gifts for people this year? Do you have anything that you're like batching out to to give away as, as gifts? Yes, but not yes. that I can talk about here. Oh, yeah, that's right. We have to be very careful, don't we? I can talk about it because none of my family listens to the podcast, but... <laughs> uh, I Yeah, I'm making my wife um, a cubby basket holder thing like a sideboard that hold that has a bunch of cubbies in it to fit these baskets that she ordered to put um our daughter's toys in to kind of clean up the the living space in our home um i am making a live edge necklace holder on request for my mom i'll probably turn some bowls and give those to people uh but yeah this year i asked everybody what they wanted and everybody wanted something handmade so like handmade from you or from anybody. Yeah, like handmade from <laughs> No. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't care who makes it. Yeah. yeah. Handmade from me. Yeah. They want a original William Walker. Nice. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing the same thing. About, um, 
I think I'm probably going to get my wife one of those those tote bags. She was like, I had to pry it from her fingers when I when I sent out the first one. So probably do something like that for her and doing a lot of like leather wallets and snap wallets and card holders and stuff. So that's, that's my my go to. So, that's one of the things I like about the lathe is it's just it's very quick to make a gift and be done with it. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, in 15 I'm, I'm minutes, actually, you can turn a pin and finished and complete. From I've, I've never done pin. one of those. I'm actually really excited to hopefully here in the next few weeks, I'll, uh, I'll turn a pin. So, so I've got a question for James um, okay. as, the, as the hand tool expert. Um, so I love my uh, Bedrock 604 smoothing plane um, uh-huh. and, I, and I sharpen it pretty frequently, but I was working on this, um, this cherry medicine cabinet that I keep talking about. And from freshly sharpened to like pretty almost dull, like chattering across the surface, um, what do you think is would be causing it to dull so fast? I mean, cherry's not outrageously hard or anything. It's probably just the steel. Does it do it on other woods? I, I don't know. I just noticed it mostly on this on this project because I was fitting back panels into like housing dados in the back of the cabinet. Um, and making mission style doors to fit in the you know the groove of the styles and rails and so I was, and I'd take a little off the edges with the smoothing plane and then fit it again and then go back and then I noticed maybe after four times of doing that like it would start chattering across the surface and and uh, not taking a, a smooth shaving. Well, one of the other issues is um, with uh, diffuse porous woods like cherry and maple. Um, they they tend to be a little bit more prone to chattering um, because woods like oak and ash have their ring pores, so they have all these voids in them that the blade can catch on easier. Um, so it's easier for the blade to dive into the wood because there's that void for it to fit in, for that to, to catch on. Um, whereas with like cherry and maple, there aren't any voids in the wood for the blade to catch on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if it's if it's anywhere close to dull, it just it just skips over the top. Um, okay. So you're going to notice it being dull a little bit more because I mean, like with Oak, I can run that blade until it's like I dragged it across the concrete. Um, it'll, it'll still always catch it and dive into the wood. Um, I'll, I'll be getting a ragged cut and I'll be getting, you know, tracks in the, from nicks in the blade, more diffuse porous wood, like uh, cherry or particularly maple because it's harder. You'll, you'll notice that skipping a, a earlier. Yeah, I've, I've okay. had that happen before where I'm like, I just keep lowering the blade on my plane thinking that it's not like yeah. deep enough to make a cut, especially like my smoothing plane. I like I can get that thing sharp and I just I feel like I keep lowering it and lowering it until I'm like, wow, the blade is like an eighth of an inch. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's insanely too need, far. And it's if you and feel the need not... to lower the blade on a plane that has been working, it's gotten dull. Yeah, um, or right. if you ever think, I wonder if my blade is dull, you should have sharpened it 10, 15 minutes ago. <laughs> okay. It just seemed like it went really quick. Granted that the blade is, you know, a hundred years old and it's not PMV yeah. 111 or whatever the, the super steel is. Yeah. All right. I might invest in a, in a better iron to put in my plane then. Yeah, that, you'll, you'll notice it. It'll last longer. Okay. All right. You guys want to dive into questions? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. What do we got? Uh, Tracy Keaton. Keaton. Keaton, Keaton asked the question, is there a tool similar to a spoke shave that creates a concave surface? Um, do either of you want to attack that? Uh, uh, I'd say compass plane, but but I, uh, I don't really plane. I don't really mess with that stuff very much. So yeah, I guess it depends on what you're what you're talking about with a concave surface. Are you talking about like a, a seat? Um, in which case then, you know, an Arbortech um, 
blade on a on a grinder. Um, that would be my I I I've, I have tried those a couple times and I absolutely love them. They're fantastic. I want to say like a you could use a cabinet scraper with a radius uh, card scraper. Yeah. In it. Yeah. Well, the uh, the um, traditional tool is a. Um, oh come on! I just had the word a moment ago. Well, you have a scorp, which is uh, a yeah. scorp is basically a you know a, an adds but a, a scooped out. I've never heard of that. I've That's heard of a scorp, but I've never used them though. I know what you're thinking of, James, and now I can't think it, of it either. Travisher. Uh, Travisher. Yes. There we go. <laughs> it's basically like a big spoke shave, but. Um, curved and that that is the that's the traditional tool for carving out the bottom of seats those are a lot of fun to use yeah johnny brooks the seat that he did for his fabtech build with the arbor tech is like i got to see that thing in person when we were in chicago and it's just it's perfect yeah that would, they, they that would leave, definitely be the way i would i would go about it <clears throat> they leave a great smooth surface um it just just like it, you know, it is it is a knife cut it's not like a sanding grinder where it, you know it grinds out by cutting tiny little scratches it actually is a plain blade that cuts the wood and leaves a really nice surface i gotta try one of those uh i was talking to paul jackman on saturday um about the the leg lamp that he did uh because we had our our meetup um and he said that he absolutely loved the turbo plane and that i should get one so i'm thinking about it um master of none Asks, uh, here's a question uh, being let go from my day job and uh, starting my own business as a handyman. How much time should I dedicate to making things, videos, or should I focus on just getting more local jobs? Uh, so, Zach, do you want to take this one? Because you went full-time. Yeah, I mean, I I think everybody's going to have a different opinion on this. I mean, I can if I were in the same boat, which I have been, I've, I've been in that situation. Well, I wasn't let go, but... <laughs> The first thing I would do is try and get as much local work as you can because that, I mean, that, that kind of puts your roots in and, and you can, you know, you can kind of get some, some uh, money coming in uh, consistently and predictably trying to make, I still don't make money on YouTube. Like, I mean, <laughs> not enough to make a living on. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it's good for exposure and, and, and I've, you know, I've said it before in some of the earlier podcasts, but YouTube started out for me as just a way to document my commission pieces so that I could, um, so that I could show to customers kind of like, okay, here's how much work went into your project. Cause people have no idea. People have no clue that a chair isn't just four pieces of wood that you screw to a flat surface like they don't understand how much work actually goes into making things so i thought you know okay i'm going to document this and i'll show it to them and that'll help me uh you know kind of validate the price that i'm asking for this stuff and that i'm charging and uh, youtube kind of took off from there and it's been an invaluable tool is both a resume and uh you know pitching my identity exposure and you know all the stuff that I'm doing now, but it's, it's not a, it's not a moneymaker for me. Uh, you know, you get some sponsorship opportunities and stuff that, that can make you some money, but YouTube in and of itself, I feel like is not a good business plan. <laughs> if you're going <laughs> to yeah. rely solely on the income that you make from your videos. Yeah. I'd say the same thing. Um, you know, YouTube is more of a, it started as more of a, a passion and a buzz generator for the pieces that I was making. Um, so if you can find more local jobs, then I would definitely go that route because that's, what's going to pay the bills. Um, and if you make videos along, 
you know, with those jobs, then that's great too. And it, it just like Zach said, it's a, a resume builder. Um, and it kind of becomes this novelty of, you know, when people contact me, they think I'm probably gonna make a video out of the commission that I'm making for them. So it's kind of like a, you know, oh, I have a, a Will Walker, uh, not to say, I'm not like, you know, yeah, I'm it's not like you're, you're, you're totally look at egotistical right now, William. I can't believe that. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you should bring your ego down a few a few notches there. <laughs> um, yeah, I know. I've, yeah. Uh, so, but YouTube also opened the door to work with uh, big companies like Grizzly, like ToolsToday.com, that are filling my shop with needed tools that I don't have to reinvest to make more money on the job. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely focus on getting paying jobs first and putting YouTube, even though it's fun, second. Yeah, yeah. and I mean it's it, the two, the two can go together. I mean if it's if you feel like you can actually film the projects that you're doing that are guaranteed to make you money and then put and make an interesting you know video out of that, you can, you can kind of score double. And that's how everything started for me too. Is you know aside from the resume, I thought or serving as a resume, I figured like, well, I can, I can get paid for these projects and I can record the process and, and put them up. So, you know, I still, if it were only like, even to this day, like I have right now, I think I have seven, almost 75,000 subscribers and on YouTube. And, uh, if I didn't do commission projects, if I didn't sell products, uh, merchandise and stuff on my website, if I didn't get, uh, you know, sponsored, uh, companies sponsoring some of my my videos i would not be able to make a living solely based off of youtube and and i really don't know many people in the community that could so it's i i, th I see youtube as a vehicle to uh kind of ex expose yourself to um you know the different different aspect or facets of of the whole um front you know there's just i think diversifying your revenue down the road is is the best thing that you can do and and trying to get you know, money coming in from as many places as possible. But for me, certainly, you know, getting those actual commission work is, was, you know, kind of a foundational element to building what I've, where I'm at right now, I guess. Yeah. And I think the other thing you have to ask yourself is what do you enjoy more? Because some people really just enjoy the work, um, building things and getting out there. And in that case, I don't think I would even mess with YouTube. Um, because YouTube is not going to be um, the, the big thing. YouTube is, for me, is the fun part. You know, mm -hmm. YouTube is the creating videos, editing the community. I find that enjoyable. Um, and so, you know, if, if I were to be in your shoes, I'd probably be out there hitting the street, building things, and then YouTube would be my, my fun, my, my hobby. Um, and if what you're putting out there, other people want to see, other people will find it and your channel will build. Um, but don't don't rely on YouTube as your you know your your goal and income. View it as a hobby and a second place to make yeah. money. Yeah. As far as like dividing things up, it says he's planning to spend a third of his day making things and videos. Um, I don't really ever break it down into that. I just kind of do what needs to be done and, uh, as time allows. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 really interesting though going from you know, the, the 40, 50 hour work week to being self-employed. It's the best thing that has ever happened to me. <laughs> like having, you know, what I think one of the issues with working a, a job is that you can only work, you know, nine, 10 hours a day. And when you work for yourself, 
if you want, you can work 14 hours a day and work a half day the next day, or, you know, you can really, you can, you can work twice as hard for twice as long and then, you know, take the next day off if you need to. And, you know, it just kind of looking at things from a, a job perspective and, and whatever your timeline is. And yeah, so it's, it's freeing. You end up working more, um, but it doesn't, but like your, work. your work is then fit around your life as opposed to your life being fit around your work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I never have the feeling of like, I wish I were doing something else, which that's huge. Cause I think every hour I've spent in my life working a job, I've wished I was doing something else, but this, I, I don't, you know? Yeah. Even yeah. like on the, 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 pen, the letter opener I was turning the other day, the, the, uh, it was just, it was falling apart. It was a mess. It was a pain. I was throwing things out of the shop. I was angry. Uh, you know, I'd walk away and 15 minutes later, I'd come back and attack it again. But even that, when it was probably one of the worst days in the shop I've had in a long time, uh, I was still, uh, you know, it was still a, a, a better day than, than I would have had otherwise. <laughs> yeah. It's still I can't something imagine, I look back I at. Like, okay, I did it again. I can't imagine you uh, losing it in the shop, James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, using lots of curse words, shop words, we call them. Yeah, I like that. Uh, here's a question for you, Zach. Uh, how have you been able to get clients to be willing to pay for builds using hardwoods? Zach, I'm sure you can relate here in Florida. Hardwood is so expensive. I'm stuck in a pine rut. Nothing wrong with pine. Uh, other than the fact that it's always, that it's always wet and it takes forever to dry. Cause every time, I mean, Southern yellow pine, if you get that, it is like incredibly hard. It is, it does not get I mean, you can't lump it in with other pine as far as as far as being. It, it feels more like a hardwood to me, uh, southern yellow pine, and you can get that at like your big box stores, but it's never dry. <laughs> like even if you think it's dry, you cut, you rip that board or you cut it in half, and it's wet in the center. Like you really have to set that stuff aside for months. I feel like so. Um, <clears throat> uh, yeah, as far as as far as hardwood goes. I mean, I have a few standbys. Like, I really like ash, mm-hmm. not just because it's cheap. I mean, that's certainly a, a, a perk of it. But I, I really never. I always pitch the like whenever I'm designing a product, a, a project for somebody, I will always build it or sketch it up and price it out with the materials that I want to use. Like, what I think will look best. If that's walnut, then it's walnut. If it's, you know, something exotic and crazy, like, then that's how I'm gonna that's how I'm going to put it together and bill it out. Um, you know, and then when I pitch it to the, to the, uh, the client, I'll, I'll essentially say, Hey, look, I really want to use, um, you know, uh, walnut and zebra wood and, and tannins and whatever, whatever the project calls for. Uh, if this is, if this is outside your price range, we can work with some other, other materials. But, um, lately most of the projects that I've been doing, for for people are industrial and there's a lot of steel and kind of that old factory look so it really hasn't necessitated any fancy exotic woods for and for that for that point that's why i like ash i feel like it has really nice uh figuring usually it takes uh stain very well and uh, it's it's pretty easy to work with and it's super hard so um you know it just it just sort of depends, but I, I don't. I mean, you just factor that stuff into the price. If it's if it's more yeah. expensive, they have to pay for it. Well, then also talk to them about the you know the, the longevity of the work and the the amount that you spend extra for hardwood over 
you know, a, a pine from the big box store is, it's considerable, but for the amount of time that that piece of work will last you, um, you know, for, for a normal tabletop or something of that nature, uh, you know, a good hardwood that's not going to get dinged up and, and scratched easily is is going to bring you far more joy than, than a, a soft top. Yeah. So it's, I've, tell them I, about how long it's going to last and, and what it's going to actually bring them in difference. My biggest seller on hardwoods, if I'm making something like a dining table or something, is, well, so first of all, I think Pinterest has ruined the pricing market for craftspeople. Because <laughs> people see something on Pinterest and say, well, they did it and, you know, they only charge $200 on Etsy. And I'm like, well, then buy it from them. But if you use a hardwood, especially on a tabletop, just explain to them, you know, if you write your, you know, your grocery list on top of your uh, kitchen table on a piece of paper, you can dent the wood underneath if you use something soft like pine, um, you know, like an old spy trick <laughs> where you go back and you, you run the pencil over the graphite over the paper to trace what the person before you wrote on the piece of paper. Um, same thing happens. Big Lebowski. You remember when he pulls the sketch out of the guy's pocket? Yeah. It's one of the best scenes <laughs> yeah. in any movie ever. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. <clears throat> but um, <laughs> but in that scenario, I would pitch something like oak, uh, which is relatively cheap. Um, I think it's like three fifty a board foot right now, uh, which if you compare that to big box store pine, it's not that much more. Um but I don't no, know about hickory Florida. is actually pretty cheap usually. But is it? We don't get any of the cool hickory down here. I I tried to get some of the I don't know what what you call it like the it almost you know like the calico pattern hickory that's like yeah has a lot of uh, heartwood and I don't know if it's heartwood and sapwood on there. They that, generally just ship the the white hickory. Yeah, that's all we have here, and it's like I'm not I'm not going to go through the hassle of trying to cut and machine that lumber if it doesn't have the the figuring that. Well, the, the thing I've done with the hickory actually on the, the trim and cabinets in ours is you can make hickory look almost identical to white oak, um, at least from, from a distance. Is it cheaper than white oak? Yes, oh. far cheaper. Uh, you're not going to get the, the rays and the fleck, but the, the, the look of it with the with with staining is, yeah, I'm, I'm actually really impressed with it. But then the amount of money that you spend replacing every single cutting tool that you used on your hickory is probably enough to offset the difference. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the, the hickory is just in, incredibly dense. Um, very, very hardwood. Trust me, I, I know how hard that is. <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. Hickory is about a dollar twenty-five cheaper per board foot than white oak. Mm-hmm. I'll have to get some of that. Yeah, and it, I, it's actually it's a really nice wood because um, it's it's still ring porous. Um, so you can you still get that that used to it, but it, it feels um, it feels like you're planting maple, um, and just it's, it's solid stuff. And uh, I, the, the only thing with hickory is you're going to be covered in splinters. Um, it is the most splinterific wood in the world. Splinterific, I like it. Yeah, um, yeah. I still think walnut's the best. It's the best wood. Oh yeah, well walnut's yeah. Just fun to work with. It looks great. It's unique, and it's really easy to work with, and it smells nice. Yeah, I love what walnut. Else can, what else can you ask for? The only problem with walnut is what do you do with the sawdust? Because you can't compost it. You can't put it in your garden. You can't put it down for horse bedding. So you just have to burn it or throw it away. Yeah, yeah. I just throw it out in the wood pile in the backyard. What's the uh, What's the worst smelling wood you guys have worked with? Have you ever cut into a board and just been like disgusted? 
Wet uh, red oak smells pretty nasty. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. It smells like vomit. It's it has like yeah. that bile, <laughs> the bile thing. It's pretty awful. I'd say that's probably my worst. Worst that I I've worked with. I would have to say wet dug fur. Really? I love. Yeah. See, I love like any of the. See, I don't mind it once it's dry, uh, but when it's wet, it's just it has a it has a very resinous. Um, uh, yeah, not my, my not my cup of tea, but. <laughs> Huh. I see. I think pine, like despite it not giving much, getting much love in the the woodworking community, I still that's like one of my favorite smells ever is pine. I absolutely love it. And cedar, see, I love white oak. Cedar is good too. Well, cedars, yeah, cedars really, really good. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. there's, there's some good stuff. I've heard that uh, somebody told me that black locust. I've never worked with it, but somebody said that that stuff is pretty pretty rank. I've never worked with it. <laughs> I was working on a job once uh, where they're doing uh, an aromatic cedar closet. Um, to, I guess it's to keep moths away. But I walked into the closet and I felt like I was in a gerbil cage. Like the smell was so overwhelming. Well, there's there's two kinds of cedar I think, and a lot of people mix them up. You have your I think is it white cedar, which is what they use for like hamsters and gerbil stuff, and then there's aromatic red cedar, which there's is- actually like five kinds of cedar. Yeah, well, well, fine then, William. <laughs> There's Western Red, Eastern Red, okay. uh, White Cedar, Deodor, uh, Blue Atlas Cedar, uh, Spanish Cedar. Yeah, there's some of them smell better than others for sure. Because yeah, there's there's like a hamster a hamster cedar that that you probably don't want to don't want to work with. So. Yeah. So what have you guys been uh, watching, reading, Will? So I found this channel Lignum uh, and it kind of took me by surprise. It's a workshop, uh, you know, woodworking and and metalworking and kind of crazy, crazy furniture products. Um, But what took me by surprise was in the middle of the video, you know, he changes camera angles and he starts to cut things out with a five axis CNC, like crazy, like off of like a, uh, like out of the Detroit, you know, motor works buildings, you know, like the crazy robotic arm. And it's in like a regular, like a workshop, like yours or mine. And uh, he does this whole project with this crazy robot. Um, and it's a three tiered live edge coffee table. Um, but yeah, it's, it's insane. Have you guys seen the, uh, you're talking about like the, do you know what the KUKA machines are? It's like the big arm. Yeah, that's that, what it is. Yeah. That, um, yeah. Have you guys seen the music video? I think I'm looking it up right now, uh, making sure that it's the right one. I'll post it. It is a music video where all those robots are playing the instruments. It's uh, <laughs> I'm sure they're not actually playing it, but it is like such. It's just such a cool video to watch. I'll find the link. Yeah, I found it. It's a little bit off topic. You guys are making fun of me, but <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what it was. It was a cuckoo machine, and I and I never heard it called that before, but. You knew what it was, so that's the brand. There you go. Oh, okay. they had they had a whole bunch of them at uh, Fabtech. Okay. Do you think this guy like bought it at auction or something? Like an old like plant I shut down? Don't know. I mean, I I. Oh, are you talking about the music video? No, this this lignum guy. Oh, I haven't seen the video, so I don't know. Lignum shop. Have to look it up. Yeah the 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 music video is really cool though. It's not really related to anything but your recommendation, <laughs> but still it's pretty cool to watch. So uh, what are you, uh, what are you watching James or reading? I uh, we're watching uh, Daniel Slovi, Slowy, 
you know how good I am with names. He's from Argentina. And uh, he does mostly hand tool woodworking, but does some really gorgeous stuff. Um, He made a a spring pole lathe, um, but made it with a drive head. So basically, rather than the rope working around the the wrapping around the work, it wraps around um, a sized pulley uh, that then you have a you have a drive head that connects into. Um, So you 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 chuck it up just like you would for you know any powered lathe, but uh, it still runs with a spring pole. Um, But with that, he's also working on a uh, a draw uh, a shave horse right now that is just absolutely gorgeous. The thing's having uh, carved surfaces on it and. yeah, I, I love watching his stuff, and uh, I've been I've been following him for about two years now. Um, not a very well known channel. Uh, he doesn't talk much during the videos, but uh, does some amazing amazing work. So definitely check him out. So for me, uh, I'm still reading. I haven't had as much time to read the past week as normal, but I'm still reading uh, Tribes by Seth Godin, which I'm kind of kind of a neutral about there's some good nuggets in there but it really feels like a pep rally like each sentence is like six words so it's just like it just doesn't flow very well but there's a lot of good information in there uh it's kind of a a branding marketing topical book um as far as what i'm watching i just saw this uh video yesterday of a metal artist named alan williams he has a youtube channel with like two or three videos but the one that i watched is um It's called Creatures from the Deep. It's just kind of a like a inspirational video of this this guy and the work he does and his designs, and it's just really well done. So uh, the guy does some really cool work, like metal sculptures. So that is uh, my suggestion for the week. Sweet. Well, uh, favorite tool of the week, Will? Uh, so finishing up this uh, medicine cabinet uh I was using this mission style adjustable panel door router bit that tools today sent me. Um, and what's cool about this thing is it comes with a stack of shims. So you can shim the cutters to meet your, whatever the size panel you have, whether it's quarter inch plywood or half inch or three eighths or five sixteenths or, um, so that worked out really well because I was making my own book matched, um, panel doors out of some curly cherry. And so after taking it through the bandsaw resawing and then planing down the bandsaw marks, um, I had to have that, you know, had to dial in that exact fit. Uh, so that's, that's my favorite tool this week. Sweetness. Zach? Um, mine is a product more so than a tool in that, that video that I just put up this week, which was a little bit normal from a little bit, uh, abnormal. That's that's the uh, the <laughs> prefix. That was the prefix I was searching for. It just wasn't coming to me. <laughs> Thank you. I wonder how long I would have sat there in silence trying to think of the right word. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it was a little bit different of a video, but um, I, I used um, solvent dye on the metal. So I ground the metal down to. It was like a wall art project, and I ground the the metal down to uh, raw steel and sprayed on solvent dye um which i mean you can't really just directly apply there's certain products that you can't just apply to steel and solvent dye kind of gives you that almost uh um what do they call it when you anodize it almost has like an anodized look it's kind of candy looking so it's like semi-translucent and uh so i used a sculpt nouveau solvent dye on that and uh yeah so that's kind of a fun way to to get a particular finish on metal 
Yeah, I was actually really impressed with the the finish on that. It came out really kind of cool. Thanks. Yeah, I'm not much of an airbrush artist. I've maybe spent a couple hours behind that thing total, but it was it was a lot of fun. And it's I don't know if you guys have ever messed around with airbrush before, but there's certain things that even if you're not an artist, you do them and they just look good. <laughs> like it's it's really weird. Yeah. Like there's certain textures and stuff that like it's I mean, you really don't have to be like an artist to get a decent looking result. Like the textures, like when you when you use an airbrush, like the textures and the shading is just so natural looking. It's like just things just automatically look more real than than they should given your skill set. So it's 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 a fun thing to mess around with. Cool. Well, I have uh, CA bushings for turning pins. Um, it's one of those things that I, I I know I should have gotten a long time ago, and it's it was on the list and I never got to it. Well, I finally got a set, and I I love them. <laughs> um, what so what's the CA? Is that like a, a um, cyanoacrylate? Yeah, that... so you're doing your, your super glue finish on a, a pin. Um, so you're you're building up a, a film on there, and then you buff it down to a to a gloss shine. And uh, the problem with it is if you're using the normal steel bushings, you often end up gluing the steel bushing to the workpiece as oh. well as gluing the steel bushing to the, the mandrel. Okay. Um, and that becomes a pain when you're trying to take it apart. And I've, I've broken two, um, uh, two pins that, you know, I've completely turned them. I buffed them. Everything is done on it. And I've broken them trying to get them off the mandrel because I've glued it together. Uh, and that is no fun. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so the the CA bushings, uh, they're they're just a, a nylon bushing that you put in place. Uh, so once you finish turning it, you take it off the mandrel. You replace the steel bushings on either end with these nylon bushings, and the CA glue doesn't stick to it. So you can easily remove it. Wow. And they're, that makes sense. They're, they're dirt cheap to get a bag of four of them, and uh, you can keep going. So cool. Uh, joke of the week. Absolutely. Oh yes, joke of the week. Almost forgot. I, I skipped right over that. Yeah, I was I was listening because we talked about Google Home, and every day I you know I tell it tell me a joke. And so the joke yesterday it gave me was, how do you carve wood? You do it widow by widow. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> uh, that might yeah. be the worst one yet, which is exactly <laughs> what we're going for. That's that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, I, I love Google Home. If I haven't said that already, uh, that's awful. So that's about it for this week. Um, yeah. I do want to say a huge thank you to our patrons on uh, Patreon: Make, Build, Modify, Master of None, and Debbie Brook, our top patrons. And uh, thank you for that. Um, if you guys want to find out more about Patreon, you can do that. I'll leave more information in the description below. Um, also, all of the links and everything we've talked about that will be in the show notes. You can find that on, it's currently hosted on my website, uh, woodbywrite.com. We're going to be getting a, a separate domain for that here soon. But uh, it's also on the um, the show notes in, uh, well, wherever you watch your, your podcasts. Uh, that's about it. Until next time, have a wonderful day. Take care. See you guys. Thanks again for listening to The Creators Collective. We publish weekly on Thursdays in iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can follow us on social media pages everywhere at Creators Collective. We're also live streaming every week on Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. 
Just look up the YouTube channel to join in on the fun of the live chat and get your questions answered live. And until next time, keep on creating.